in your outline, you'll see at the bottom of this page with announcements on it, our one-year vision goal. It is that at least 85% of youth and adults at St Aidan's understand their spiritual gifts and feel encouraged and supported as they use them in the service of Jesus. Excellent. But as we use our gifts in the service of Jesus and his people, we don't want to sink as we do so. We don't want to be a gym. Have you ever been a gym? Gym is a story told in this book, Serving Without Sinking. Let me read you uh, about Jim. The pastor walks up to 24-year-old Jim and asks him to take on running the sound system at church. Oh dear, we've got problems with the projectors today, don't we? We need someone to do this. Jim loves Jesus and is bowled over with gratitude to him, so eagerly says yes. Over the years, the church grows, and so does the job. A decade later, Jim is there early for every service and is one of the last to leave. No one ever thanks him, least of all Jesus. The wife Jim has prayed for never arrived. Neither did the children or the new job. Jim can't really recall why he said yes in the first place, but at least for a while it has felt as if the Sunday serving has balanced out the previous week's sins and made him feel better, though that feeling has now started to fade. Jim can vaguely remember that when he started overseeing the sound system, he loved Jesus much more, and he loved serving Jesus much more too. These days it's only as he drives home from church that he feels lighter, with the rest of the day to enjoy. He's forgotten that he used to enjoy driving to church. In his heart, Jim is giving up on Jesus. But a sense of duty, habit and gentle pressure from the pastor keeps him serving. After all, if he didn't do it, who would? In Jim's heart, Christ Jesus is not a good God. He is a distant taskmaster. Faith is choking to death under the weight of service. This is what it feels like to be motivated in our service by a wrong view of God, of others and of ourselves. We don't want to be a gym, do we? No. It sounds exhausting to be gym. So these last two weeks and today as well, we've been sailing the HMAS service and plotting a course through the icebergs, avoiding bad reasons to serve. Bad reasons to serve are like icebergs that will sink you as you serve the Lord Jesus and his people. So we're thinking about how to serve sustainably. Two weeks back, we saw that it's the Lord Jesus, our servant king, who serves us. That's the foundation. Then last week, we, uh, we hunted down and killed some bad reasons to serve Jesus. And today, we're going to hunt down some bad reasons to serve others, to serve people. There are four bad reasons. And uh, if you serve, you'll sink under the weight of your service. Uh, but we will turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well to see how the gospel of grace corrects us and sets us free to serve sustainably. So the four reasons are in your outline. You might serve Jesus to impress them. You might, oh no, you might serve others to impress them. You might serve others to belong. You might serve others because Jesus needs me. You might serve others but you don't think you need Jesus yourself. So that's where we're going today, serving others to impress them. 
Uh, some people will serve others mainly to impress them. Uh, there are lots of things that you will do just to impress people. Uh, it's understandable, isn't it? I want people to be impressed by me. I want you to like me. Who hasn't done something so that others will like them? We all do it from time to time. Of course, that's what humans do. But if your main reason for serving other people is to impress them, then you're going to sink. I was serving people to impress them while I was still in nappies. Why do you think I taught Sunday school when I was a uni student? Ah, to impress a girl. Didn't work, no. Oh, why do you think I, I once drove a guy I barely knew all the way to Canberra for a conference to impress his sister? It didn't work. She eventually married me. But imagine, imagine if she hadn't. Imagine if she hadn't married me and my reason to serve this guy to impress his sister, and if she isn't impressed, well, why would I serve him again? My motivation is gone and my service sinks. I think we get this because we all want people to like us, don't we? Which is what makes this a particularly dangerous iceberg that will sink our service because it's like an iceberg, largely hidden. So often we don't realise we're doing it. We, we don't realise we want others to notice us and like us. It's so natural that we can't work out what is happening before we suddenly hit the iceberg and it's so hard to serve because suddenly you're grumpy that no one is impressed by what you're doing or someone else is more impressive. And doesn't this just turn Christian service into a competition? Sometimes you'll win and you will actually impress people but then you'll just be full of ungodly pride. So, friends, do you mind if people notice your service? Would you still do the morning tea if no one noticed? Would you mind if no one noticed your service? Serving others to impress them is not a sustainable way to serve. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, let the scriptures set us straight. This is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. He is setting them straight because their service of each other is in danger of sinking. There are rivalries, there is unkindness, there are inappropriate sexual relationships, they're yelling at each other in church. For the Corinthian church, there is an iceberg dead ahead and the Apostle Paul is trying to steer them away from that iceberg into the calmer waters of sustainable service. So, how will this help us avoid the iceberg of serving others to impress them? Well, Paul tells the Corinthians that they are not impressive. They are not impressive. Whatever they do, however they serve others, they are not impressive. Because every skill, every gift, every talent that they use in their service, it is not their own, it has been given to them by God. Do you get it? When you serve, you have to see that God is impressive, not you. Everything's given. So look from chapter 12, verse 4. Paul says, there are different, gift, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Look at the kinds of things he gives, verse 7. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another is given faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. There is one God who gives good gifts to His church for, what what does verse 7 say? For the common good. The common good, not for your good, not so that you might be impressive, but for the common good, for the good of the, the church as a whole. Are you good at stacking chairs? Well, it's not so that you can impress people, but it's for the common good of the church. Are you good at welcoming or speaking or singing? It's not for your own good. It's not so that you can be impressive, but it's for the good of the church. If you serve to impress people, you'll only make yourself miserable because you'll never be impressive enough. So do you need to recognise God's grace to you in his good gifts that he has given to you for the common good? If you serve others mainly to impress them, your service will not be sustainable. That's an iceberg and you'll sink if you hit it. serving others to impress them. We've probably spent too long on that point, actually. So it's probably worth it, because I think it's probably the biggest iceberg, maybe the most hidden iceberg that will sink our service. So uh, let's crank the engine and pick up some speed, and we'll go a bit faster through the next couple of points. Number two, the second reason that someone might serve others is because they want to belong. And often you need to be be impressive, Um, to belong, don't you? No one likes to be on the outer or to feel lonely or to miss out on camping trips. And sometimes the way you might try to get into the inner circle is to serve with the impressive people. When I was at uni, uh, I used to lead the, the youth program on CMS camps. And it was wonderful. I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a good use of my time as well. But um, I also I led on those camps because the other leaders were cool. <laughs> and I liked them. And I wanted to be friends with them and to be cool as well. The, uh, the year after I gave my future brother-in-law a lift to that conference, he asked me in all seriousness, what's it like to be the least cool person on your team? I remember sitting in that, this large circle as we were praying, and well, we were meant to be praying, and I was thinking, oh, I'm the only one without skinny jeans. Oh, I need skinny jeans. I wanted to belong. It didn't work. 
Would you stack the chairs even if the popular people didn't notice or never do it? Would you go to the street fair only because that's where the popular people are going? Serving others to belong is not a sustainable way to serve. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 to be set straight by the scriptures. And remarkably, what we find in this chapter and in places like Ephesians chapter 4 as well is is this image of the church as the body of Jesus, the very body of Jesus. This is what the Spirit creates through the preaching of the gospel. A single church, a single people of God, a single body of Christ. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you already belong. You already belong. Let's pick up uh, verse 12. Verse 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. The similar point over, over on the other page in verse 27. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. If you serve people in order to belong, you're probably forgetting the gospel of grace. The gospel tells us that by God's grace, you already belong. You already belong. And you're free to serve without needing to follow the in crowd. If you serve others mainly to feel like you belong, your service will not be sustainable. That's an iceberg and you will sink if you hit it. Serving others to belong. The third reason that someone might serve others is because they want Jesus to need them. Serving others because Jesus needs me. We all love to feel needed, don't we? Just uh, last Christmas, we had a bunch of uh, Lucy's family come and stay with us in Wagga. And they're all so good at cooking and baking that I, I felt totally unneeded in the kitchen. But I love to feel needed, so I put all the key ingredients on a high shelf. <laughs> and if you feel that Jesus needs you for his gospel to go out to this city or to the nations... Well, isn't that a powerful motivation to serve? My service is important because Jesus needs me. That's going to get me up and serving if I don't tell people about Jesus. How are they going to know about Jesus if I don't put the chairs away? Church will be cancelled. If I don't get the projector to work, we're all doomed. If I don't serve on a committee and do a beach mission and lead a Bible study group and visit all the sick people, if I don't do all that, well, how will anyone ever be a Christian? If that's you, well, you're spending all of your time serving and you never actually sit down to read the Bible. And it's obvious, isn't it, that, well, you've put too much pressure on yourself. Jesus doesn't need you. He doesn't need you to do all this. Why do you think the one who created you, who died for you, who was raised to new life and is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven where he rules over all things, why do you think he needs you to do all of that? 
You need him. You need him because without his life, death and resurrection, all the service in the world won't make you worthy of a holy and perfect God. You need Jesus. He doesn't need you. But he does love to use you. And I'll show you how he does in 1 Corinthians 12. The church is Jesus' body and you are a part of that body. But you are not the whole body. You are a nose or a toe or a gallbladder and you don't need to do the work of the heart or the brain or the knee. That's for them to do. Paul's point for the Corinthians is to uh, humble those who are proud, who think that Jesus needs them, who think that they are better than other members of the body. So see how Paul develops this, uh, this image. Look at verse 14. Even so, verse 14, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, he would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. You are a part of the body, you are not the whole body. So if you serve others mainly because you think Jesus needs you, your service will not be sustainable. That's an iceberg, and you will sink if you hit it. Serving others because Jesus needs me. The fourth reason, then, that, other, that people might serve others. Uh, some people serve others and, and think that as they do, they don't need Jesus. Serving others, but I don't need Jesus. Because we do love to be independent. Independence is a, is a strong uh, motivation, isn't it? Um, I spend my time with uni students. They have a different kind of independence than most of us here this morning. They're kind of independent. Well, I mean, they start first year by ringing home, Mum, how do I cook rice? Dad, how do I use the washing machine? But by the time they're in their third year, they're generally pretty competent. Generally. Um, And it's nice to gain competence because when you're competent, you're independent. And uh, one of our core businesses at UniChurch, out at CSU, is to train students in Christian service so that when they graduate we can send them into local churches like St Aidan's to serve the Lord and his people there with skills and abilities. We want our students to be competent at service. But when you're competent, 
Well, you can fool yourself into thinking that you are independent of Jesus. That you don't need Jesus to help you serve his people. Are you competent and able but too busy to pray? Maybe you just think that you don't even need to pray and ask Jesus for help because you've got this. This is serving without God. Now, don't hear me wrong. Competence is great. But if you spend all of your time stacking chairs, playing in the, playing uh, music, and making care packages for people who are sick, and you never pray, well, then you're going to sink. But again, 1 Corinthians 12 helps us see this iceberg for what it is. Because the Apostle Paul reminds us that in order to serve the church well, we do actually need Jesus and we need the gifts he gives us by his spirit. Have a look at verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the more excellent way, he says. And this more excellent way, this better way, is, is the gift of chapter 13, uh, the gift of love, the way of love. Whatever gifts you have, without love they are useless. But notice that Paul reminds us in verse 28 that it's God who appoints these people in the church. Without God's appointment to serve, you have nothing to give. You cannot serve the people of Jesus without the Lord Jesus. You need his overflowing grace to equip you for service, but also to sustain you as you serve. Here is the key to sustainable service, is not it? You do actually need Jesus to supply all that you need to serve others. If you serve others, mainly thinking that you don't need Jesus, that you've got this under control, your service will not be sustainable. That is an iceberg, and you will sink if you hit it. So if you're serving others to impress them, then they are more important to you than Jesus. You need to remember that you serve only by the gifts given to you by God's grace, not so that you look impressive, but for the common good. Secondly, if you're serving others to belong, then you're aiming to join the wrong in crowd. (laughs) You need to remember that by God's grace, you already belong to the people of Jesus. If you're serving others because you want Jesus to need you, then you are putting too much pressure on yourself. You need to remember that God in his grace doesn't need you, but does love to use you with the rest of his body. And number four, if you're serving others, but you think you don't need Jesus, you've forgotten the gospel altogether, at least in how you serve. You need to remember that you do indeed need Jesus to supply everything by his grace. So let's pull some threads together with our last point. How do we serve others without sinking? And there are two things to say. Firstly, maybe you need to stop serving for a while. 
maybe, or you need to stop serving in a particular way. I think that it might be reasonable to stop serving for a while if you are indeed sinking. And that might give you the breathing space you need to work out what iceberg you might have hit. And that might give you time as well to soak in God's grace. But an important thing to notice is there are many external reasons why you might be sinking as you try and serve the Lord and his people. Um, It might be pressure from family There might be financial pressure. That means you have to work. There might be family conflict. Uh, Grief can be debilitating, can't it? Just because you feel that you are sinking, it's not necessarily because of one of these bad reasons to serve. There might be other reasons that you are sinking. And if that is true, please let the rest of the body of Christ carry your burdens with you as you also bring them to Christ in prayer. But if you have realised that you are heading for one of these icebergs, it might be reasonable to stop serving in a particular way. Do you want to impress people by your serving? Well, stop serving so that you can sort your heart out. Or serve in an unimpressive way and see what happens to your heart then. Don't waste your time serving others for the wrong reasons. It's not good for you. Maybe you need to stop serving. And the second thing... How do we serve others well without sinking? You need to know that you aren't defined by your service. Your Christian service does not make you, you. You're not defined by your service or how you serve or how well you serve. You're not defined by who is impressed by you or not. You are not defined by which in crowd you belong to. You are not defined by your competence. You are defined by... The Lord Jesus, who in his grace has made a people for himself, has called you to belong to his body, the church. He defines you. So you're free to go unnoticed. You are free to not be cool. And you're even free to be a bit incompetent as you serve because you serve within this framework of grace. And God's grace is the engine that drives your service. And he loves you regardless. So let's pray to this God. Thank you, our loving Father, for your immeasurable grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ poured out by your spirit. As we serve others, may we do so as followers of Jesus, our servant king, who selflessly served us on the cross. Please sustain us as we selflessly serve others like our Lord serves us. And may we serve for the common good of the church and for your glory rather than ours. Amen.